to Let's Talk About Today with Arvin. Uh, today on the show, I am very glad to have a special guest. Uh, she was elected in the 2015 election in Sarnia-Lampton and in 2016 was named the most collegial MP in Parliament by her peers in McLean's Parliamentary of the Year Award. I'm here joined by Marilyn Gladue. Marilyn, how are you doing today? Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. So I got to ask you, I mean, we've uh, seen some pretty, uh, you know, strange things during this past year in the pandemic, but I got to ask, how are you and your family doing? Oh, we're doing very well. I mean, obviously, um, this has been a tough time for everybody, um, but uh, my daughter is is pregnant and she's oh, going to have a baby in about 10 weeks. So, yeah, so I'm excited about that. And, and that's been interesting for her in, in COVID times. And my other daughter's getting married in uh, September. So it's going to be a year of joy, even amongst all the, uh, the struggles. That's fantastic. Well, congratulations on that. I, that's that's a pretty, um, you know, uh, proud moment, I guess, for as a, as a mom to, uh, you know, reach that milestone. That's fantastic. Congrats. Mm-hmm. Marilyn, so on, you know, a lot of these political shows, people are always having discussions about, you know, the issues and, there's not much, you know, opportunity for youth and, you know, young people and perhaps just anyone else listening to, I guess, learn more about members of parliament and their uh, journey. And so I know you released a book and I want to get into that later, but uh, in general, I'm really interested in hearing about your story. Um, So, you know, your early life. And um, I'm sort of curious, growing up as a kid, what was, um, you know, some of the things uh, like, were you exposed to politics or social issues at a young age? You know, it's funny, I didn't have any issue at all with politics. I never really thought much about it until I was in my 40s. In fact, I used to vote by who had the most signs. So that's why I always have a lot of signs on my campaign. I've actually voted for all the different parties over time. And uh, it wasn't until I was in my 40s. I was traveling globally for um, a company that I worked for. And I had to go to 254 plants in the world. And so when I came back to Canada, I would think what a great country we have. But I really felt that it was it was, you know, not being managed well by the politicians of the day. So uh, I thought, well, I could whine about it like most Canadians or I could do something about it. So that's when I started. I joined the local um, provincial members board and then eventually the federal members board and uh, became the president of the association when the sitting member federal decided to retire and so it was my job to find the lucky one to replace her and uh, we had quite a number of problems in Sarnia Lambton at the time and I thought you know what I've got the experience 32 years of engineering and I can make a difference so put my name forward and here I am. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's really fascinating. It is very, um, you know, different than uh, many of the paths we see other members of Parliament uh, go through during their careers. And so you did mention, you know, you've had this extensive, uh, you know, very experienced career in engineering. And, um, you know, growing up as a, you know, as a younger person, there weren't many, um, you know, young women getting into engineering, which was, you know, awful back then. And it's, it's, it was um, sort of a very, um, glass breaking moment for you to sort of jump in and say, Hey, like, you know, this is a field that I'm interested in. And, uh, you know, I'm going to take up engineering and you studied, you know, engineering and uh, chemical engineering, I believe at Queens. And uh, um, so do you think you'd perhaps share with us some of the, you know, the thoughts going through, you know, during that age as a, as a young person, you know, thinking about your career and uh, what sort of, I guess, led you to want to study engineering during that time? Well, when I was trying to figure out uh, what I wanted to do for my life, um, I wanted to have a job where I could always get a job and I wanted to make a lot of money. 
And the guidance counselor at the time said, well, computer science might be good or engineering, but engineering is a man's job. So you really couldn't do that. And of course, being oh. told I can't do something is always though, it gets me thinking maybe I should try. And I had a chemistry teacher who took us on a road trip to Queens to the engineering faculty. And that's uh, what sparked my interest in engineering. And so of course, as you said, there were not very many women in engineering, maybe 13% when I was there. And when I graduated, I built a, a woman's washroom everywhere I worked for the first like five or 10 years because there wasn't one. And, and so over the years, especially uh, when I was working in construction, that was another place where there weren't a lot of women. So uh, certainly I've toughened up over the years, but um, I became the global leader over those 254 plants. And um, from there brought my experience to parliament where I'm the first female engineer in the House of Commons ever. That's awesome. Wow. And so, you know, as you said, you know, I, I was, uh, you know, checking out your book and, uh, um, you know, it talks about all your uh, interesting, you know, uh, you know, the places you've traveled uh, during your time as an engineer. And, um, you know, it must have been really interesting because you were this, you know, uh, as you said, you were sort of a trailblazer, I guess, in uh, the engineering field, you know, sort of, um, less than 15% of women were in, in the uh, engineering field, all, you know, lots of men, you were probably facing a lot of issues. And uh, I'm just sort of curious, like, I guess, from engineering to politics, which is fantastic that you, you stepped in and threw your hat in the ring. But I guess during all those years of, you know, traveling, and uh, I guess, um, you know, rising up in the ranks, did you ever face any, you know, I guess, social issues or political issues that you sort of went like, hmm, you know, somebody should pay attention to this? Well, certainly, you know, the discrimination um, and the, the pay equity issues that women face, I did experience those and harassment in the workplace, I've experienced that. And I was actually, um, you, if you've read my book, you know that I was uh, attacked <laughs> when I was in Hong Kong. So, um, you know, there are, uh, there are dangers for a woman traveling alone. And, and I experienced all of those things, but I, I would say as well that I had a lot of great experiences and um, was a mentor to many other women that are up and coming. So I think um, while I was a trailblazer and I faced some adversity, I think it made me a stronger person and I could bring all of those experiences to help parliament become a better place for women to be and uh, uh, encourage young women to be leaders. That's awesome. Fantastic. And uh, for those listening, uh, um, Marilyn's book is called The Tales of the Globetrot. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, I haven't had time to read the full thing. I was just giving it a quick review because I just discovered it recently. And I, I think you, uh, the book was released in November of just this past year, correct? That's correct. And then it went on the bestsellers list. And so you can get your copy at uh, Amazon or at Friesen Press. And uh, if you're in Sarnia, it's available at the bookkeeper. That's fantastic. Awesome. That's cool. Um, so I guess uh, for, because you know, you know how young people are, they don't always, you know, particularly read. And I know this is, a, this book's actually available on uh, like online. You, you can, can get an ebook on iTunes or Google. Yeah. Which is, it's good for, yeah, it's, I think it's, uh, I, I advise, you know, all the young folks out there listening to, you know, pick it, pick, it looks like an interesting book, definitely, and, and pick it up. Um, I guess, like, what would you say from all the places you've traveled to, um, you know, what, what's a sort of one place you've traveled to where I guess was sort of like an enriching experience for you or something that, an experience that you, it sort of changed the way you thought about an issue, perhaps? Well, I, I think everywhere I went, uh, there was something, you know, interesting, but I think Indonesia 
was a place that really uh, opened my eyes to the reality of the world. Because, uh, you know, when I was there, I didn't re realize that women, even in 2001, did not have a status there. So I was like property that could be owned. And uh, there was uh, a riot that broke out while I was there. And uh, I ended up having to leave my audit and go to the airport. And um, there was a lot of um, tension in the country as well. They had been conquered by the Dutch and they don't like the Dutch. And I look very Dutch. So being in that whole environment, I was recognizing that, you know, living in Canada, where women have equality and, and status and, you know, the vote and we don't, we don't think about these things. And, and so that was, I think, something that changed me. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I guess it must have like really, I guess, um, with all the issues that we have here in North America with women's issues, I guess seeing it on a, 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 um, a global perspective, uh, the issues that women face across the world, it's, uh, it sort of reminds us that the work's not done, right? And there's still a lot of work to well, do. Well, that's right. There's more sure. to do. And we've got International Women's Day coming up on Monday. So it's a chance to reflect on, you know, the progress that we have made and to make tracks to get the world in a better position. Uh, yeah, definitely. Exactly. Well said. That's fantastic. And um, so on uh, regarding your, uh, you know, I guess, uh, parliamentary work, I, I believe you, uh, you're on the, um, uh, the committee for uh, something relating to, uh, I guess, w women's issues in um, the uh, parliamentary committees. Um, and so I, I you know, I, I'd, meant, uh, I'd imagine that besides as a member of parliament and, you know, um, during your engineering field, I, you must care a lot about women's issues in general. Um, and as you said, you know, with International Women's Day coming up, um, you know, is there is there something that you, you sort of want people to really focus on and draw their attention to, I guess, issue wise or something that's going on, perhaps not even in Canada, that we need more people, I guess, paying attention to when it comes to women's issues? Yeah, I think the most important thing is um, that one in three Canadian women will experience violence in their lifetime. That's just not acceptable. So we've got to do something because uh, we studied the issue when I was at committee and um, there are some alarming things happening in the country. They said that nearly 30% of women um, that go to university end up um, experiencing sexual assault in the first eight weeks that they're at university. And that's a statistic that is awful for any country, but for Canada, I, I was astounded. For sure, yeah. I, it just goes to show that there's still a lot of work we need to do right here at home as well. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's very interesting. And I know, I know you, you, your career is very interesting and the work that you're doing is uh, um, definitely a lot of trailblazing stuff and uh, fascinating stuff. And a, a lot of stuff that perhaps, you know, youth should look up to. And uh, when it comes to, you know, I guess uh, having such a successful career in engineering and then, um, you know, hopping into federal politics. And I'm sort of curious, because like, as you said, it, you, you didn't start really paying attention to politics uh, until I guess your 40s and um, you 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 became a member of parliament in the 2015 election. Um, so I'm sort of curious like what what was like a motivating and inspiring factor that made you want to throw your hat in the ring in the 2015 election? Well in Sarnia we had actually 20% unemployment amongst young people and 10% in the general population and we had an aging population and no plan for all of the long-term care facilities and the um, uh, the services that, that the seniors were going to need and the population was stagnant and so I, I looked at these complex problems and the people that were presenting to run as candidates and I thought you know 
I'm a solver of complex problems. I think I'm probably in the best position to be able to create jobs. I had a position at the time I was the business director for Worley Parsons and responsible for uh, creating 400 jobs in Toronto, um, 350 here in the Sarnia office and some in the States as well. And so I thought I've got the experience to do this and uh, you know, the society has been good to me. It's time for me to give back. Wow, that's that's really awesome. And so, I guess, like, how was how was your experience with the campaign? I guess because, you you know, you might have been putting your you know your foot in the water in some uh, in a field that perhaps you didn't have the most uh, I guess experience with uh, compared to you know some people who are you know career politicians, et cetera, et cetera. So, I guess how how was that experience? You know, coming from the engineering field and. Uh, that was a big shock. I mean, you can imagine I went from being uh, 32 years, a very well-respected member of the community and instantly overnight, um, you know, uh, despised by all, <laughs> you know, as a politician and the, the hatred on social media um, is unbelievable. And it's a continual onslaught. And then, of course, the pace of work in Parliament is incredibly slow. So as a person that was used to working globally and getting things done, taking action, you know, it's, it's painful to watch the pace of progress sometimes uh, at the government level. Definitely. Yeah. I know it's a, uh, it's a pretty uh, long and uh, a little bit slow process for sure. And, um, you know, you've done a lot of stuff during your past couple of years as a member of parliament, uh, you know, notably in 2017, you sponsored a private member's bill, uh, the uh, framework on palliative care in Canada act. And, um, you know, it's, it's very difficult to uh, as, as an opposition member to get legislation, you know, sort of passed and you know, recognized by, um, you know, your opposition members, but, as, as you know, mentioned through your uh, award in 2016, you do like to work a lot with, uh, you know, across the aisle with other members. So uh, I guess, uh, what's your experience been like as a member of parliament, um, you know, in the opposition, working with other members, uh, you know, trying to get legislation and that stuff passed? How's your experience been? Well, I, I was really fortunate with the palliative care bill. I was one of less than 300 people that have ever had a private member's bill passed. And uh, the collegiality that I displayed uh, that won me the award in 2016 and again this last year, um, that has helped because uh, I do appreciate that everyone that's in Parliament, they're all excellent individuals trying to do the right thing for the country. We don't always agree, but I worked with stakeholders um, and came with the bill and uh, worked with the NDP and the Liberals. Actually, Jane Philpott was the Minister of Health when I brought the bill. And she said, Marilyn, this is actually a very good bill. She said, with a few changes, I think I could support this bill. And so that's the kind of cooperation uh, that we need to, to get. Obviously, um, not every day is, is um, collegial. We have question period that is uh, full of, you know, partisan entertainment, I, I would put forward. Um, but the rest of the time, I think we all have to recognize that we're trying to do the right thing for the country. And there are, is more than one way to do that thing. And so the discussion has to be on what we think is the best approach. And we should treat each other always professionally and with respect. Definitely well said. And you know, that's, that's, those are the type of stories I feel like all Canadians like to hear because, you know, at some times there's lots of, you know, uh, this, these partisan divides and people get into these heated debates. And as you said, with, with question period, th there are a lot of entertaining partisan moments and uh, you know, Canadians do like to know that members of parliament, regardless of their party affiliation are working together to get good legislation passed. And those are the type of stories, you know, we all like to hear. And, you know, 
I'm glad to hear that you as you know, a conservative member are reaching out to liberal members and other members to get this work done. And, you know, you did, you know, throw your hat in the ring for the conservative leadership this past year. And uh, you sort of been a very outspoken uh, conservative member in the party. Um, so I, I'm sort of curious what you think of, uh, you know, what's going on today uh, in Canadian politics, but also in, in the conservative party, we're sort of seeing this, uh, I guess, a bit of a divide within the party with, you know, more moderate and progressive conservatives versus perhaps more uh, right-leaning and uh, re reform type conservatives as well. Um, where do you sort of see the Conservative Party heading in the next couple of years, and I guess just Canadian politics in general? Well, I think, uh, you know, the Conservative Party is a, it's a big tent party. So it's always had, you know, quite a diverse range of views. And we're uh, very much in favor of, of the freedom of individuals to think what they want. And so that, um, on the one hand, is great for the individuals, but it makes it hard to manage as a collective group. And I think over time, um, the Conservative Party will, will be moving to the center. I think that we've seen the Liberals have moved really far to the left. And that's not where most Canadians are. Most Canadians want a balance of fiscal responsibility and social compassion and that is more to the center and I think that uh, the party is trying to move there and of course the ones that are on the very far right don't like that um, the ones that are uh, towards the middle think it's not quick enough so it's a uh, something to manage but Aaron O'Toole is a, a seasoned leader he's got a lot of experience in parliament in the military and and in life in general and he's a, a nice guy to boot and people do like him so I think he's got the ability to bring us together and uh, keep us together uh, while we still have our individual rights of freedom interesting perspective yeah for sure i mean uh so i guess like where do you see sort of um yourself i mean playing a role in, in all of this i know uh you know you are definitely a very you know vocal uh, advocate for many issues we've talked about but um i guess where do you sort of see yourself uh you know contributing to the to the conservative party to politics in the next couple of years well i'm helping to change the party um certainly it, I, the palliative care bill is a classic example. When I when I said I was going to bring that forward, the party said, "Well, this is really not one of our issues. We don't really, you know, do you know those issues. Our our idea of healthcare is, you know, we increase the transfers to the province and we let them worry about it." So, but they saw that with the success of that bill, um, that really there's a place for compassion. Um, and it's not all about being fiscal conservatives and caring about the economy, but we have to care about people as well. And I'm one that comes with uh, good solutions. And I don't just bring my solutions to the Conservative Party. When I have ideas like in this pandemic, um, I'm sending them to the health minister and to the minister responsible for border controls and, you know, letting them know what technology is available that I see out there. So I think... Uh, that's how I can make a difference and try to, to uh, make wise decisions and better decisions in government on both sides of the aisle. That's that's interesting. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think a lot of Canadians are glad to hear that there are, uh, you know, members uh, just, I mean, besides in the Conservative Party, but also just in general and in the House of Commons who are willing to, I guess, step out of the boundaries and get done the work that needs to be done right so uh that's 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 very awesome and thanks for sharing that with us and uh i i also wanted to um one of your uh constituents i guess younger constituents his name's tristan bull i think he's on your uh 
um, I guess, youth council. Perhaps. Absolutely. Uh, and so, Tristan is a, yeah, well, they're a smart bunch, but he is one of the most intelligent, I must say. I, we, we predict he will be a <laughs> lawyer someday, but uh, he's definitely uh, one that comes. And the youth council meets and we talk about the legislation that's before the house and what people think about those issues. And then uh, we had a great session where uh, each of them was told, if you were prime minister for the day, what would you do for the country? What change would you make? Mm. So those are well, great. That's very, that's, that's great that you have a youth council and you're, you know, allowing, you know, young people in, in the riding to uh, engage with uh, their MP. And so um, I know Tristan was really excited for this conversation and he had a question. So I'm just going to play it for you here. Hi, Mrs. Gladu. I hope all is well with you today. My question is in regard to Canadian and Chinese relations, which unfortunately are at an all time low right now. My first question would be, what are your thoughts and the PC party's thoughts on um, Chinese mining companies coming into the Canadian Arctic to mine? I know some are saying that it's a threat to national security and others are saying they should be allowed to. My second question would be about uh, the Uyghur genocide that's going on in the Zhejiang province in China right now. Uh, we see what Justin Trudeau and the Liberal Party is trying to do to um, combat this. I'm just curious on what your opinions are and what the PC party would be doing if they were the governing party in Canada to um, improve Chinese-Canadian relations on the genocide and on the mining issue. Thank you. Awesome. So I, I don't know perhaps if the audio came in best, but essentially what he was just asking was uh, in regards to the you know Chinese mining in the Arctic and as well uh, Canada-China relations and and the, the Uyghur genocide in uh, in in the in, in China and um, I guess perhaps what the Conservative Party's approach would be in regards to Canada-China relations. Uh, those are great questions. Both. Let's uh, start with the second one first with um, the Uyghurs, and clearly this is a genocide, and uh, many of our allies have called it a genocide but you know the conservatives brought a motion to the house to have this called a genocide and all the liberals voted against that motion and so that was really unacceptable the um the, the backbenchers well, I mean, the backbenchers were allowed to vote for it and they did but the yeah. cabinet and the prime minister um didn't even show up for the vote so i think that's awful because when something is a genocide um you know the un has got a prescriptive actions that countries have to do um, in order to, um, you know, sanction countries that that commit genocide. And so I think that's important. And we really need to strengthen our uh, position with China. China um, has not been Canada's friend in many ways. Uh, we think of the two Michaels that are still imprisoned, uh, the uh, number of uh, things that they did uh, in terms of our grain and canola to put uh, trade barriers in place that really cost billions of dollars and was very hurtful to the Canadian economy. We see on the security front, Huawei, um, a threat to our national security. We have had a number of hacks from the Chinese government. And so really we need to protect our sovereignty. And it's a balance then. We know that China is a big economy and we want to do business where it makes sense for both. But we have to speak out against the human rights violations. We have to uh, protect ourselves and the, the security of our, our private information. With respect to the mining in the north, that's an example of economic uh, opportunity. And so uh, Nunavut has got um, the ability, they've got their own government to decide whether or not they want to take advantage of, of uh, having a Chinese company operate there. Um, obviously, 
anytime we have Chinese companies operate in Canada, and we have a lot of them, um, we have to make sure that the security concerns are addressed. I don't have particular concerns about security because of the remoteness of the of the location, the fact that you know it's it's going to create jobs for um, a location that really needs those jobs and has huge issues of food insecurity and poverty that this would go a long way to addressing. And so I think there's a balance and we need to find it, but we don't have it today in our relationship with China. Well said. Yeah, definitely, for sure. And, you know, as you mentioned, the, there are a lot of uh, factors uh, between Canada and China that are of concern. And I, I'd say at the top of the list are the uh, imprisonment of the two Michaels. And, um, you know, I, I definitely look forward to seeing them hopefully being released in the near future. Um, and, and so in general, just thank you so much for coming on the show today. I, I mean, I really appreciate it. Uh, taking some of the time out of your day to uh, come chat with me. And I, you know, I bet Tristan really appreciates it and lots of uh, our fellow, you know, youth who are trying to get engaged in politics. And, uh, you know, thanks for just sharing your story. The, the stories are what matter and they really, um, you know, motivate young people and inspire us and, you know, let us know that it's, we, we can break down barriers, right? Yeah, well, thank you for having me. And I think it really is important for young people to be aware of what's going on in the world. We have some of the the, the biggest and most complex things that are happening now and uh, you are the generation that are going to lead and fix. And so uh, knowing about them now and discussing them and forming your views, I think are really important. And I'm happy to have, have a role in that. Thank you so much. And uh, for everyone listening, make sure to check out uh, Marilyn's book, Tales of the Globetrot. Uh, you can, you know, purchase it at any of your, I guess, uh, um, local bookstores and online as well. And uh, it's, it's an interesting book. Make sure to check it out. Awesome. So Marilyn, thank you so much for joining the show. I really appreciate it. All right. It. Thank you so much. Have a great day.